and people of the United States to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, reestablish the meaning of the Constitution. Friends and welcome to We the People Show. This is your host Tiger, co-host Bradley. Hi, Bradley. Hello, it's good to be back. Now, Bradley, we just watched the third debate, and uh, it's a lot more civil than the the first one, don't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Trump must have gotten a, a better debate coach, and uh, um, yeah, Biden had pretty much fumbled a couple of times in that debate. Yeah, and uh, not, and hate to be a little biased, briefly biased, but Biden during the debate not only fumbled, but he mostly lied about his record and Trump's record. But I mean, as a candidate, I figured that's what somebody would do. And excuse the loud noise if y'all heard it in the background. It's our annoying roommate. Well, loud roommate. <laughs> anyway, yeah. onto the debate itself. It's a lot more civil, like the tone one. Trump wasn't as interrupting as much than the first one. Yes, uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't really interrupt. Um, and I, I, I uh, and the plus, I think he probably took a few cues from Mike Pence, or uh, he got a better de uh, debate coach around this time, because I think uh, the one he got for the first debate was uh, Chris Christie, and uh, he did a terrible job. And this whole time, I've been saying third debate, well, technically it's, again, according to the title, as the title says, it's second debate slash final debate, because the debate commission last few weeks got picky over how it's going to be held, and I explained it to y'all in the last episode. Now, in the, about the debate's content itself, Bradley, what would you say? What's your opinion? The debate's content? Yeah, like issues on social issues, climate change, and such. Oh, uh, well, I thought, um, I was glad they, they brought up the immigration issue, and he brought up, uh, uh, the, uh, issue on the economy, and then, uh, of course, the, I expected him to bring up COVID-19, and, uh, um, I, I liked the, the way the topics were brought up more, um, but, you know, of course, kind of what the mainstream media has been doing, in my opinion, They've been protecting Biden from the, the Hunter Biden scandal. Yeah, and the, no questions about that. Right, and as regard to elections in general, folks, I believe that everyone of both sides should be transparent. Yeah. And yet we see Biden dodging that question, and not just in terms of the Hunter Biden thing lately, but just in general issues like fracking and uh, core packing. Biden and Harris, they both been avoiding like reporters and they've been calling the lid on events a lot just to dodge the the question and uh, they don't give an answer to what American voters deserve to know yeah um, like if you want to ask questions about Trump's tax return it's fine but also you should hold your Biden to the same standard with uh, this the email scandal right and I, I saw him in one clip in which Biden was asked, what flavor did you get? He was at an ice cream shop or something. And yeah. I was like, bro, come on. That, how is that relevant to this election? That's a question you'd ask a five-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> so the media right now is not being 
unbiased, I would say. Like, um, unlike us, they're being very biased and pushing forward the narrative. Yeah. And, and again, we said it many times, we may be Trump supporters, but we are very good at being nonpartisan. Don't you think, Bradley? Oh, yes, for sure. And speaking of nonpartisanship and commentary slash predictions, I have said from since last week's episode that uh, the next week's October 29th will be a change. Well, no change. Well, there's a little change, but let me explain. It's that we will have a video on YouTube channel, on our YouTube channel again, which we will visually, visually show. Man, I'm, I'm stuttering. I'm beginning to sound like Biden. But we will, <laughs> we will visually show the electoral map and which states President Trump and Joe Biden will win and why. And a video coming after that will be a Senate prediction video on the 30th and on November 2nd. Before the election, we will upload a video predicting the House race. Now, these formats are different. Bradley and I agreed that he will cover the Senate one and I will do the House one. We will automatically rule out which which seats will be solid red or blue and then focus on the, the toss-ups and such. Yeah. Now, Bradley, how confident do you think you you are in predicting the Senate race, first off? Uh, how what? How confident are you in predicting the Senate race for the uh, video? I think I'm fairly confident looking at primary turnout, uh, the polls. Uh, there's this website called Target Smart, which shows you the current, the and it always updates for the early votes and the mail-in vote count for each state. I don't know if you've heard of it. But, um, I mean, it's not entirely accurate, but it does give you, like, a fair representation of the, you know, registered parties and model parties of, like, uh, how the early voters are voting uh, as of right now in each state. And as for me, I feel overwhelmed at first in regards to predicting the House race because the House is, as we all know, y'all know, as y'all learn from your baby political science classes now i said it with a little emphasis because it's a inside joke lately that tone between <laughs> about uh, it's about it's based on uh bradley's professor so anyway i felt a little overwhelmed at first with the house race because of the population thing that it's based on but i figured out i assure you guys that i figured out how what i predicted in a smooth way and in an unbiased way of course so yeah, I'm just as confident. I will learn what Bradley is doing, take a look at not just the polls, but the voter registration and turnout and etc. Yeah, primary turnout and uh, early vote numbers, yeah. And now, party registration. Bradley, um, on the debate itself, besides the who won kind of type of question, um, what do you think about the appearance? Because we both noticed that as we watched that Biden was giving that kind of a smuggy look. Oh yeah, he was grinning, smiling, anytime Trump spoke. Or like, no, it took hits at him. Yeah, in the first debate, I noticed Trump, like, I wouldn't say behaved in the same way, but something along those lines, but just not as bad as Biden. But in this debate, however, Trump behaved much more mature like appearance, physical appearance-wise, besides verbally speaking. Yeah, definitely. And, oh yeah, Bradley, another 
thing about this third, but technically second debate. When you think about the mute mic option that the moderator had. Well, I was, I was kind of confused because like, I was told like they were going to use it if they went over time, but like there were times where both of them did, but they didn't really use it then. And like the times I did hear them go mute, I think that was like a glitch. Oh. I think. I don't know. What, what did you see? Well, from what I, from my understanding, I heard that it was also like you said, um, it's might be used. It might be used by the moderator to mute in case a candidate like goes beyond their time. They continue speaking. Yeah, because there were a couple of times where. Uh, it, did, it definitely didn't happen as much as the first one. It was much better, but occasionally, like, Biden or Trump would interrupt, and it, it wouldn't last very long, but the, I, she wasn't very strict on that, you know? Yeah. I, I guess, like, uh, she would have only really used it if it got really out of hand. I guess, let's just safely say that it, the mute mic thing, it's probably used by Kristen Welker, the moderator's name. Like, she probably used it when it's seems to get tense it's when it's the, the whole debate is beginning to feel like the first one so yeah probably use it as kind of like a, a mediator yeah because she would like remind them verbally uh, and i guess if like they didn't listen to her then then that's when she would have muted the mics yeah because i heard that trump was talking and at the end of his talking point the the volume just got really quieter and it sounds like you know, ambiance or background noise. Yeah, like it was really loud, and then all of a sudden, you could kind of hear him, and then it got more like loud again. Yeah, so that is one instance with, in which Kristen Welker used a mute option. And as for Kristen, the moderator, what do you think of her performance compared to Chris Wallace or the Sally lady from the VP debate? Well, um, you know, kind of like unfortunately, like with Chris Wallace, she did ask uh, some pretty dumb questions or like uh, I don't know because like she I felt like she gave more response times for Biden than Trump and one and like I said before she didn't press uh, Biden about the the scandal he's facing right now and how Wallace brought up the Trump's tax returns so that was pretty unfair um, and then I'm trying to remember what was that one question like she asked Trump that was like really unfair about like uh why didn't you get something passed yeah do you remember what it was not exactly i mean the debate now is just uh it happened yeah so fast you know you just take everything at once yeah but yeah i don't, I don't remember exactly what it was but yeah yeah uh, it was like uh something about um passing covid I don't remember. I wish I knew. Well, anyway, overall, I think that um, Kristen Welker did a better job slightly than Sally or Chris. Like, she gave both of them fair speaking times, and there are, I agree, there are a one time in which Kristen asked an unfair question, but other than that, just tone-wise, I think she did a solid job. Well, yeah, I, I definitely thought this moderator was a, a little bit better than Wallace, but still wasn't uh, as good as I hoped she was. Yeah, not like all moder like just every election cycle, not all moderators are really acting that way. Well, at least uh, in modern times, but back then, 
mm. like the 20th century we don't know honestly yeah honestly i think the best moderator of all of them was the one who moderated pence and um kamala harris debate and overall moderators are just gonna do their job they moderate right and uh, bradley what do you think this would affect the outcome of this election considering a lot of people have voted early already like for trump or biden well um honestly at this point i think the majority of people have already made up their minds on who they're going to vote for most people like they're they're either going to stick with biden or they're going to stick with trump um but of course you're always going to have those pockets of undecided voters and they mostly lie in the swing states so um you know, I I feel like it will, it'll have more of an impact in those states than like the rest of the country as a whole. Yeah, um, I think it's. I also believe, I believe that uh, yes, a lot of people have made up their minds and voted for who they want to vote for, but as for this debate and the impact on the election, it's still a, I would say an extra resource for the people who are still undecided and decide to right. wait, wait until the. The very last day. Yeah, because you're always gonna have those voters who are like they're gonna wait until election day when they know for sure who they want to vote, who they, who they want to vote for. See, a lot of factors would come into voting in general presidential elections because be besides people who are of voting age, you know, eighteen and above, there are people who are first time voters. Like for example, in a 2016 election, I I was a first time voter. I turned eighteen in September and. And uh, voted on election day. I didn't do the early voting thing. Yeah, same. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, again, it's just that I am undecided at the time. Because at the time, I don't like Hillary. I didn't like, I was not necessarily didn't like Trump, but I was skeptic back then about Trump regarding to his potential presidency at the time and, you know, his and the impact it would have on the Republican Party as a whole. Is I registered as a Republican after being a, like a Democrat slash progressive for for years. Well, the years since I got into politics. Yeah. So you have a lot of first-time voters. I mean, some first-time voters are like other voters who they decided and they did the early voting, which is great. But there are voters who are again like undecided and want to wait till on the election day. Yeah, I remember when I turned uh, eighteen. I turned eighteen. I. I think it was about two weeks before the election. Um, yeah, it was about two weeks before the election. It was like a very consequential time for me because I was I just made it to the voting age, and uh, I, I didn't really care about the other elections at the time, and I only voted in the presidential election. And I remember I was at that this fire station in Harris County, and I cast in my first ever ballot, and I voted for President Donald Trump. Because I, I liked a lot of the stuff he was saying, even though I was pretty skeptical of him at first, and I didn't like the way he was behaving, like, at times, and I still don't, but, and, you know, it was even harder then, because I didn't really know what he was going to actually really do in office, I just kind of trusted him, and plus I didn't really like Hillary a lot, and now that I saw all the things that he's done in office, I'm way more certain that I'm going to vote for him this time around, and you're going to see, you see this a lot with a lot of traditional Republican voters, like, uh, establishment uh, Republicans like uh, Ben Shapiro who didn't vote for Trump in 2016 and he just released a video saying 
why he's he's gonna vote for Donald Trump this time in 2020. Yeah, and there are apparently a lot of other in this election. There are other Republicans who want to who voted. I'll I'll say uh, you know the Lincoln Project. Let's say someone's part of that right now, and they voted for Trump in 16, and then through, over the course of his first term, President Trump's first term, uh, he they uh, they abandoned Trump and plan on voting for Biden. So you have uh, people who shifted views in which who they would vote for from 2016 to now. Yeah, and you kind of see that more with the suburban voters, like mostly in the Sun Belt. Not so much suburban voters in the Rust Belt, they're different. The, the white suburban voters. Yeah. Who, uh, usually, usually white suburban women or moms who you know, don't like the way Trump's uh, behavior is. Not just that, but there are probably people like, for example, my dad. And as you know, Bradley, I know my dad can't vote. He's a resident, a green card holder, not a citizen. But let's say he can vote. I honestly think he would vote for Biden just out of the fit of rage of uh, what Trump was doing to China, specifically with the trade war and tariffs. Now, folks, there are probably voters who, I would say only, well, yeah, in a way voted out of rage like emotion wise but the point is you gotta decide who you're voting for based on all of the factors not just on one issue because yes I, I do disagree at first with the terrorists but then later I agreed I agreed but I also disagreed with some of the other things Trump's been doing with as you mentioned to me off like behind the scenes something about bump stocks in terms of firearms the bump stock ban yeah, but still, as I said, you gotta look at every issue, not just one issue. So my dad, if he voted for Biden just over a tariff, then, then let's say President Biden, God forbid, did something that he didn't like, then my dad will definitely be regretful in supporting Biden. Mm -hmm. So again, you have to look at every issue the candidate stands on. For sure. And not just... Uh, this election, folks, not just a presidential one. Everyone seemed to be pinning things on Orange Man. Okay, Orange Man bad, but have you considered thinking about local government bad? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, look at what you're... You see, not everything is just the federal government doing something or not doing something. It also comes down to your, your local government, like your city government, your county government, your state government. That's a big one. Yeah, after I voted, folks, in the early voting process, I, I said at one point to my roommates, Bradley included, I said I some some positions, spots on the ballot, I voted randomly, and my other friend was like, oh, that's not good. But again, in reality, folks, I didn't vote randomly. I, I didn't actually do that. I just exaggerated. But there are probably some people who did that, and that's really not good, as my other friend said, because... Uh, these people might do something you don't agree with. Yeah, like voting is definitely something you should take seriously. Don't never ever vote if you're gonna vote just for out of a joke or a meme or whatnot. Exactly. Um, That's what my yeah. other because you're electing think. people. You're electing people who are going to make decisions on your behalf, and uh, that's that's a way to show them. Um, that's a way to to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, and I trust all my roommates uh, voted based on uh, their values 
And uh, also, I should say, really, really pay attention to local government just as much as you do for the federal government. And, you know, vote in that as well. And folks, on election night, we will find some way to, you know, go live or put out content on YouTube and on here. But the thing is, uh, don't just, when you monitor the election, folks, don't just say one-sided things like, oh, Orange Man bad or Sleepy Joe bad. Just look at every candidate, every race, and commentate on every aspect of these candidates, their pros and cons, and their policies, etc. Because other than that, if you act, if y'all act like that, like this man bad, orange man bad, then that's not professional, and that's not really like voter, like mindset, having that mindset. Yeah. Like in 2016, I personally voted for Trump because I preferred him over Hillary. But on election night, I didn't criticize just Hillary. I also criticized what. Trump have done what he have done wrong like what he should have done in winning a state a particular state yeah so folks this election is just as close as the last one except as for oh Bradley as for things like electoral and popular vote I mean I know we explained it in the the predictions video for YouTube next week but just a little sneak peek what would you say, Bradley, electoral and popular votes? Well, uh, I personally think no matter what, Biden's going to win the popular vote just because you have Los Angeles County and um, Cook County, which is where Chicago is, and all the boroughs in New York City. Um, but it's going to really come down the wire with the electoral vote. Who's going to get over 270? And that will get them to the White House. Yeah. Um, whoever reaches 270 first. Um, uh, it's honestly, it's all gonna really lie down in the Rust Belt. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, Georgia's close, Florida's close, Ohio's close," but honestly, I feel like Trump will carry Florida, North Carolina, uh, George, Georgia, most even most certainly Ohio. I think he'll carry. Um, but it's really gonna come down to three states: Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. No matter who wins those states, it's gonna be razor thin margins. Probably under one percentage point. Right, and to see which state they would possibly lean to, according to us, check out that video, y'all. We, me and Bradley, we, we proudly made it, and we're proud of that work. Mm-hmm. And also expect, uh, as 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 I said in the beginning of this episode, expect a Senate and House race. Those should be interesting, especially for the House race for me. I have to do a lot of heavy lifting, and oh, yeah. I thank you, Bradley, for giving me that. Absolutely, and uh, I could always be there to commentate for uh, the House race, and you can commentate for the Senate race. Yes, for sure. And, oh yeah, which reminds me, folks, don't just focus on the presidential race. Also focus on local elections, but also the House and the Senate, because yes. they're going to determine who will control, which party will control those chambers. Right, we have all 435 uh, seats uh, up, for, um, up for election in this cycle, uh, on top of the presidential election, and rough, roughly one-third of the U.S. Senate. So and pay attention to those as well. And just briefly, as a teaser, folks, uh, Bradley, 
I would say, in my opinion, y'all, uh, the Democrats are probably going to keep control of the House because uh, it's very hard to advance like for Republicans in terms of like strong poll districts like Kim in uh, in Baltimore where I believe the Republican challenger Kim Claybeck. Kim Claybeck. Yeah, she, in that district in which she was running, she might bring a, a larger margin or turnout, but I don't think she's going to take that district. Yeah, as much as I like her personally, I I, I still think it'll stay B. But she could inspire more Republicans to run in districts like those in the uh, urban area districts and uh, you know minority majority um, districts where Republicans never even tried to campaign there because they think it's out of reach. But honestly, I think they should really focus on those races in a red wave year because they know they can hold on to the seats that they've already had solid in solid Republican seats and where they're going to be on the offense. So that'd be a good time to do that. And uh, also on your assessment on who's going to control the House, I do agree uh, Democrats will keep control of the House in this election. Cause, However, yeah. Republicans might pick up a few seats because, as we all know last yes. year, the impeachment hoax. Yeah, th- yeah, Republicans will definitely gain in uh, the House, but it won't be enough for them to retake it. Yeah, we've seen that uh, trend happen before in the Bill Clinton impeachment uh, hearings and such in the process. Democ- later in the midterms election, I believe uh, the Democrats gained a few seats, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then for the Senate, um, I believe uh, uh, Republicans will hold on to control by the skin of their teeth. And uh, it, I think it will end up being a 50-50 um, or 51-49 control. My thoughts exactly, because uh, honestly, to see who really dominates the Senate, I think it comes down to, as I've been doing an a lot of personal investigation, there we go, lately, uh, I believe that it all comes down to the following Senate seats that will be one of the Carolinas and Georgia, Georgia especially, mm-hmm. with Kelly Loeffner, the special election, and David Perdue. Right. Um, I, I think they'll pull through. Um what we should really look at would be the uh, the seats in uh, North Carolina, Maine. Yes. Yeah. Um, you have the Alabama seats, which will definitely flip back to the Republicans with Doug, Doug Jones as toast. Jones, yeah. yeah, and uh, and I and for um, I think the Colorado and Arizona seats will flip to the Democrats. However, um, but the North Carolina one and Maine, I. I believe Tom Tillis and Susan Collins will narrowly pull it through, narrowly, and especially with Cal Cunningham in North Carolina, the Democrat nominee, with a um, a scandal on his back of uh, having an affair with his wife. Yes, and I, uh, and yeah, I believe uh, I agree, and that's how close. Bradley, well, just uh, be patient, y'all, for Bradley's Senate prediction episode, the video or. Yeah, the video on YouTube. Yes. Oh, and I should also mention that John uh, John James could pick up the Michigan Senate seat. That one's a pure toss-up. He might even outperform Trump. And uh, speaking of past elections, um, Bradley, I think you you have more insight on this. Why do you think, or how do you, like, what caused the Republicans to lose the House in 
2018 midterm? Well, uh, there's a number of things. One, I think it was, again, once again, the suburban uh, uh, exodus from, uh, well, not necessarily the Republican Party, but they didn't want to vote for Republicans in this election cycle because, you know, Trump was now the head of the party, still is, and again, turned off by his rhetoric. Uh, not all of them, but like a good number of them. And uh, I think it was the Republicans' failure to deliver the health care plan. And uh, I think it was the really blown up story about uh, the, ch- uh, the children's separation at the border. Even though that was started under the Obama administration and the Trump administration, was trying to stop that from happening. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, in a debate, Trump said to Biden, who built the cages? And uh, I, I mean, any reasonable person should do a fact-checking. And a lot of these images, they were posted on Google in 2014. And uh, Trump was not even in office. Not, not, not a lot of people knew about Trump. And that was Barack Obama being president. And now, I was actually a bit vocal back then about it, and still vocal now, because it's inhumane, whether, what just in general, putting kids in cages. Yes. And now the facilities were, um, are supposedly uh, more clean and upgraded and more comfortable for uh, the migrants crossing the border. Oh yeah, which brings to this issue, one issue, let's say, let's focus on, it's immigration. Now, Bradley, what do you think about this coyotes thing that President Trump mentioned? Oh, it's, it's definitely true that um, a lot of uh, people will uh, exploit children and use them to cross the border and pretend that they're their parents. And I, I heard the one justification. I don't necessarily agree with it um, um, about like why they separate them is like to make sure like that is the parent. And, uh, and, you know, so they can run tests and make sure. And I saw a study recently that I believe about two of five adults that cross the border with children aren't even the parents or, or relatives. And uh, they'll, they'll use the children to, to continue their human trafficking ring and their drug ring. Drug ring. Yeah, to get across the border. And it's really disgusting how they use those kids that way. Yeah, and... Every, I mean, it's been a crisis for years. I think even before Trump, before Obama, mm-hmm. probably during Bush and Clinton. Oh, definitely. So it goes far back, bro, or everyone. I said bro because I had a great moment watching the debate with my roommates Bradley and a lot of good people. Yeah. Now, uh, we were... We're not gonna mention names here, but uh, we did like kind of uh, just a just a little story. Uh, we kind of roasted one friend for voting on uh, Joe Biden, but anyway, that's details on that. That's classified. <laughs> so Bradley, uh, yeah, the, the immigration thing has been a crisis for for a long time. Now, what do you say about the other issues, such as oh, I don't know, environmental, climate change, that's also been brought up in the debates? Oh well, um, uh, I I think Biden's plan for it was really ridiculous, and uh, I'm wondering how he's going to come up with a hundred, or I think it was around like ninety three trillion dollars to pay for this the Green New Deal plan. He says it's not the Green New Deal plan, but 
uh, basically on his campaign website, it says it's a framework for what he wants. And the way he's describing it is pretty much like the Green New Deal. Yeah, and from the description, I think it's kind of like the Green New Deal 2.0, just yeah. based off of what Bernie proposed when he was AOC, running. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think AOC is a part of his climate council, too, so... Um, and I think Bernie Sanders also, so... No surprise there. Yeah, and other... I think Biden, personally, in my opinion, that Biden has made some terrible choices for his cabinet. I think he listed Andrew Cuomo from New York, the governor from that state, as a secretary of some department and... Or I think it was I, Attorney General. Oh, yeah, Attorney General. There we go. Yeah. So, <laughs> given his record, Governor Cuomo's record of putting COVID-positive people in nursing homes, how the hell would he defend the United States well as an attorney? Yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd, he'd be a bad attorney general. Yeah. So, as a closing, folks, uh, final thoughts, Bradley. What are your final thoughts on this debate and this election in general before the undecided voters vote on actual election day? Well, uh, as I said before, I thought this debate was a lot better than the first one, and uh, glad it was a little more civil. Uh, and uh, I urge those undecided voters to go out and vote, uh, make, to make their decision in a wise manner, and uh, vote on your values. Correct. And as for me, folks, uh, I believe this election is just as important, just like any other election. And uh, let me break it down to two parts. First part is, if we see a President Biden, I would think that his term, his four years, will be a lot of like cover, a puppet for Kamala Harris. Because uh, mentally, I, I hope he's okay, but um, I got a feeling he won't be in his first term. That means, according to the presidential line of succession, Kamala Harris would take over. And she's pretty controversial, Bradley. Just to everybody, I think e even the liberals, some liberals don't like her. Yeah, the, the more progressive wing doesn't like her. And besides that, y'all, a President Biden's term will be, uh, I think, a repeat of Barack Obama's term, except more progressive. Yeah, definitely. And part two is, the, the second part is uh, President Trump's second term. I think we're going to recover from COVID pandemic in terms of the economy, in terms of hospitalization. Hospitalization, there we go. <laughs> and uh, President Trump, along with two GOP senators, well, one, Marsha Blackburn, she's not running this year, but her other uh, co-author, I believe, of this bill, Senator McSally, and Bradley will talk about her race in the Senate predictions. Anyway, uh, they spawned they wrote a bill called Stop COVID, which holds the Chinese Communist Party accountable. And I'm sure President Trump will take some measures to that. But first, he has to bring America back economically and physically. Yes, definitely. So, if you like Trump, or if you like Biden, or you change your mind, just go for it. Vote, 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 folks. As I said in the last episode. Now, thank you, thank you all for joining me and co-host Bradley. And Bradley, thanks for being here again. Yeah, absolutely. Now, folks, uh, get ready for next week as I will be publishing a 
an audio episode, but it's just gonna be the same thing, but audio of the video, the the presidential election prediction video, and yeah, I will see y'all hopefully after November third, and uh, God bless the United States. Thanks, everyone. We, the people of the United States, to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, reestablish the meaning of the Constitution.